nationwide or worldwide. They're Maryville University and Maryville Hockey present Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Caesars Entertainment. Nationwide or worldwide, there will always be a Caesars Resort in the center of the action. Verizon Wireless, this is 5G built right. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Championship taste for lunch, dinner, or a pregame feast. Maryville University and Maryville Hockey. Big city lifestyle, small school feel, first class hockey experience. Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com for all of your hockey needs, on ice or in line. By OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning product gets the funk out of your equipment or office. By M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You, M-Drive for energy, stamina, recovery. By the University of Arizona. And by Summer Skates, show off your team pride with shower shoes and koozies for the whole squad at IcetimeHockeySW.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Maryville University and Maryville University Hockey Club Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Stephen Marsh. All right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans, club hockey fans, ACHA hockey fans. Anywhere that you may be listening to us tonight on the Podbean app, we are Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by Maryville, Maryville University and the Maryville University Hockey Saints. Scott Strandy driving, joining you tonight from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's a little over 100 degrees. And my co-host, as always, Stephen Marsh, joining me from that beautiful, beautiful site of Las Vegas, Nevada. Stephen, how are you tonight? I'm good. Yes, it's a, it's a beautiful night. It's uh, I think it's in the 80s or, or low 90s here, so it's uh, not too bad. And uh, important game going on right now with NHL, of course, but if we're, of course, talking ACHA hockey. But everything is going well. Yeah, so the Golden Knights started early tonight or what, Odin? Uh, <laughs> I was hoping they were going to start at 7 so I could at least catch part of it when the show ended, but they uh, no, started it's, early, it's, I take it. Six o'clock start in San Jose. It's already two nothing Golden Knights. So, and Colorado and LA is is going on right now as well. So that's another game to be following, as well for different reasons. Yeah, exactly. Well, as you mentioned, this is Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Uh, so we're talking ACHA hockey. Um, we're gonna have a special guest on tonight. I believe it's his first interview since he stepped down as the head coach for Minot State University. Wade Regeer is gonna join us in about fifteen minutes or so. Uh, so it'll be fun to just kind of pick his brain. Nothing major, I don't believe. He uh, he just decided it was time to spend more time with his family and do some different things. So, um, you know, he's been with the program 17 years, 11 years as the uh, director of hockey operations and head coach. And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to step away for a minute. And who knows, Wade may be back. Wade, Wade may have other plans. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll ask him. But anyway, that's about 15 minutes down the road. You have been looking at some different things that I thought were pretty interesting today. So bring us into some tidbits in the ACHA, if you will, Stephen. Yeah, but before we do that, we'll talk about Ray Regeer. I think, um, and this may be a, this may have played a factor into it, but I believe the program is going to be under the uh, tutelship of the athletic program there at the university, uh, which is which I think is different from how they had been operating. And I think he was in consideration for a full-time position as the full-time coach there. And uh, obviously... He, it would 
probably felt like it was going to take too much of his time away from his family and stuff. So we'll have to ask him about all that. We'll get his, of course, his perspective on it. But I, I just, that's just kind of what my sense is reading, reading on it a little bit, but. Yeah. Okay. So, so what's going on? Some guys are going different places, some new commits as always, some, some, uh, uh, development camps and some different things happening. What have you seen out on the, uh, uh ACHA, uh, landscape? I guess it's time for the news uh, with Stephen Marsh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love well, it. Bring it on. End of, let me put my uh, anchor voice on here. Okay, uh, we, we end of season came for the uh, ACHA. We had the tournament uh, champion crowned, of course. End of season awards have come out. They had their, their meetings as well. Um, so we'll, we'll go through some of those. Uh, Lyndon Woods, uh, Rick Zombo was named the men's one uh, division coach of the year for the ACHA. Obviously, they had a, they had a pretty good season, and obviously they're going to be making the jump to uh, NCAA. But uh, congrats to him. Uh, Minot State, who of course we're having Ray Regeer on uh, the Carter Bailey Carter Barley, excuse me Barley, named ACHA Men's Division One Rookie of the Year. And we go down with um, him. There was a f- finalist from. Uh, Andre Blala from Midland and Matteo Di Guilio of Adrian College. So, congrats to them. This is the second Minot State University player to win the award in its 19-year history, as former Beaver forward Kale uh, Dolinsky won the 2010-2011 award. So, congrats! So quite an honor for for him. Um, let's see with uh, Barley's uh, contributions. Of course, the Beavers finished this season with a number two ranking. Um, falling on the last day of the ACHA Men's Division One Championship game, which, which we know, uh, so that's 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 on the uh, rookie front. I'm seeing if they have his uh, statistics here. Oh yes, there good, he is. Good stuff on the pronunciations too. That was cool. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure if I said that right or not, but uh, good the, try they... though. It was a full effort. Okay, we'll get A for effort. <laughs> 16 goals, 18 assists, and 29 games for for Barley this year with with Minot State. Um, he he, 34 points. He led Minot State University in scoring this season and was tied for second most points in Division One of the ACHA for the men's in 2020-2021. So congrats to Barley on that award. Uh, so there you go on that. Um, and then we so have the – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so also this week, uh, this past weekend, you had a chance to uh, get some, some words in, some comments from Coach Vigneri uh, Greener. Regarding the uh, the uh, prospect camp, is that what they called it up at UNLV? Yeah, so they had a prospect camp. We we talked about it on our show a couple of times uh, this past Friday and Saturday uh, in, in in Vegas here. Uh, while while we were of course at the uh, day and nights uh, doubleheader at T-Mobile, they also were having a, the a day prospect and camp. Night. I love it. Who came up with that line? <laughs> I don't know. Some <laughs> some guy that has a hockey website that. Travels three thousand miles over some thirty some odd days, going to different oh, hockey events. Off. Okay, that's where I gotta correct you. I'll take full honor on that, but I went seven thousand six hundred and sixty-two miles. <laughs> I, was, I guess I didn't pass the quiz. I, you gave me all the numbers last week, told me to write it down. I guess I failed the test already. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can read Anyways, it but, yourself. Just keep going. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, no, they had a, they had a prospect. It was Friday night and Saturday morning. There was a couple hours. Uh, they had some. Some players. Uh, so I asked uh, Coach Greener by text uh, uh, what um, what the numbers were, and uh, Anthony Vigneri Greener said that uh, they had about 29 guys uh, skating it. Said it went really well. 
Um, and so it was a really good turnout. Um, lots of kids for the following year or, may, or year after. Great to see because we've kind of talked about that. You know, with, with the extra year of eligibility and with, with the players that they were supposed to have come in that were going to play this season that didn't play. And, and so they're going to probably be available for this upcoming season. It kind of leaves a little bit of a backlog, but some, certainly looks like some potential down in the pool. Um, so then I asked, I, I asked follow up on that. I, I, so I asked, you know, how many years have they done this? I, I thought maybe this was something they did regularly and not even thinking, but they, they've only done it a couple of times. Uh, he says they've only done it about two prospect camps in one year. Uh, they had a player come play with us to to fall in, in season, and then it looks like maybe there's going to be one that comes from this prospect camp that will uh, that will come uh, in, into play. Uh, so I don't know if that'll be this season or down the road or what, but so it sounds like uh, maybe they found one player that seems to be really good and 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 will be playing with UNLV. I'm not sure if it's this upcoming season or somewhere down the road, but. So that that's so that's the great thing about these these kind of camps. You get you get get the opportunity to show your, show yourself, and, and and you just never know. Utah is going to be doing a similar one this weekend. We'll mention that real quick. They're going to be doing a recruiting weekend. Uh, Utah is up there in Salt Lake, and we've talked about that before as well. But that's taking place uh, this weekend. So, and the then also, uh, Coach Berman is having his uh, his uh, annual prospect camp that I think he had to cancel last year out here in uh, Glendale. Um, so he'll be uh, up in the valley in June, I believe. Uh, it's on his website so, and Twitter as well. So it's an opportunity to uh, get some instruction from Coach Berman. One of the things I like about what he does, uh, Stephen, is he doesn't just watch the prospects and evaluate them. He kind of gives them uh, a heads up of what it's like to uh, to play ACHA hockey and then also how to get in touch with coaches. I mean, he, he tells me that all the time about uh, there's so many players that come in that don't understand how to even reach out to a coach. And uh, that's one of the things he's pretty proud of is the fact that he gets out there and lets these uh, kids know how they can apply and uh, how they should write their letter and contact a coach if they're interested. Yeah, I think that that's great because if you show up to a camp, you you do your thing, they they say, okay, we'll, we'll let you know, whatever. Uh it's kind of like a job interview, I guess, if you look at it. You go to a job interview, you interview somebody, you say why you think you'd be good for this job, and then they, they say, okay, we'll call you, or, the, or, the, or we'll let you know, and, and you never hear anything from them other than say, okay, you didn't get the job. But they don't tell you why you didn't get it, or, or in some cases they didn't tell you maybe what you did well or what you, what you didn't do well in the interview, if, if that was part of the decision. Um, so that's, you know, that's can fall into these kind of things. You know, you, do, you go and... Pr- you show yourself, you show your skills, and and they say, okay, we'll let you know. And then, but with, what Chris Berman does is is he goes and evaluates, he sits down with them, and uh, he tells them what they did well and stuff, like you said. So that that's a that's a good that's a good thing to do because it helps the player to continue to get better, and, and maybe come back in one of those kind of camps or and, and certainly earn a position with the team. So yeah, and you know what that that just brings me back to that word relevancy again because. Coach Berman uh, puts it out there. If, if somebody doesn't fit his lineup, it might not mean that they can't fit in somewhere else. And and just staying relevant and letting kids know. And I think that's the biggest changes that's happened um, in, in hockey in the last six years that, that I've been doing this is that you see uh, so much development at all levels. And, and that, you know, as I told you, the, the 7,662 miles, um, I went out to see how close things were. And uh, I know you probably saw this as well, Stephen, but uh, an ACHA, ACHA former player actually played for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning 
the other night and made it all the way to the uh, the NHL. Yeah, I had that on my I had that up on my screen here as, as something in the queue. If we were to bring that up, yeah, that was exciting. A former Lindenwood player uh, brought up. It's not loading now, so I forget the name, but maybe you've got it in front of you. But yeah, it's a uh, it's real it's real exciting to to see that, and it just kind of goes to show that that even if you just play at a level like ACHA hockey, ACHA hockey, you you could you could get a spot in in professional hockey. We've seen Cody Williams going uh, for UNLV all the years he spent there, and he went to play professional overseas and and uh some of the players i talked to at, at from this season the senior unlv players that were leaving and some of their interviews that that we that we shared uh sounds like that they, they may have some prospects of maybe playing professionally or trying to play over overseas as well so yeah it's just it's it's and, good well and like we mentioned last week when we had gary astalis on that we we talked about one of his goaltenders made it up from the southern professional league into the echl so I mean, yeah, it's getting closer and closer, and um, there's a lot of talented athletes out there. So uh, we just hope that, that, you know, the teams continue to prosper and continue to get better and bring in more and more talent and find spots for them to play because we know uh, the next five years is going to be kind of brutal for NCAA at least because uh, that uh, extra year that they added, it's the same with ACHA, but it's different with NCAA and the fact that they will uh, have scholarship opportunities scholarship, and, right. and, and players that can go to grad school. You know, I know there's a couple of NCAA schools that don't offer grad school programs, and they're going to lose some athletes that could have hung around, but uh, they've already graduated in their four years, and they can't they, they can't go to grad school because their universities don't offer it. And one of them is Lake Superior State, I believe. So uh, it's going to be strange, um, but it's going to be good because I think the talent level is just going to continue to increase and increase and. That's what you want, right? You want to see it across the board. So, let me mention one other thing too. Uh, as we finish up with UNLV for the night, uh, they also uh, Coach Vigneri Greener mentioned. Uh, I asked him because the uh, NFL they always make a big deal about their schedule release, and today was that, and all the NFL teams' schedules came out, and so I it made me think: When is UNLV hockey going to do theirs? Last year they did theirs. On June first, and I asked them, "So when are they going to do it?" Well, that's going to the same date, June first. So we're going to have this deja vu moment on June first. We're going to the schedule's going to come out. We're going to break it down. I'm sure we'll do a similar show. We'll look at it, maybe have them on talk about the schedule. Except this year, we're hoping that the schedule will actually play out as as hope as hopeful. So, um, so yeah, so we'll look forward to that in, in June there, and hopefully the other ACHA teams that we follow as well will have their schedules come out about the same time, and we can do what we were trying to do last summer, break down everybody's everybody's schedule and look forward to a ACHA season that, fingers crossed, is going to take place this year of, with all of our teams that we cover, which actually right. is going to be more, which is going to be more teams now because we added the Colorado schools, and then now we're going to add the whole WCHL, so we got to include all of them too. So. Yeah, so we'll have Central Oklahoma, we'll have Oklahoma, we'll have... Uh... Uh, Missouri State. Uh, so just to uh, to add a few more to the uh, the group, but let's take a quick break. Let's see if we can hook up with uh, Coach Wade Regeer in just a few minutes, and you and I will be right back to talk a little more hockey. Looking for a big school college hockey experience in a small school setting? Then Maryville University could be for you. Playing in the brand new 2,000 seat Maryville University Hockey Center. The Saints enjoy a first-class athletic experience as the men compete against ACHA powers such as Lindenwood, Central Oklahoma, and Missouri State. 
This year, the D1 men's team will start their third season of competition, adding an ACHA D2 men's team as well as a new ACHA D1 women's team. All three teams will call this two-sheet, 84,000-square-foot arena home and give any player a varsity-level feel. Located in the suburbs of St. Louis, Maryville is the second-fastest-growing private university in the country and offers both a world-class education and a first-class athletic experience. For more, go to MaryvilleSaints.com. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. If you live in the Valley, you know that there are no shortage of options when it comes to eating Mexican food. But if you want authentic taste combined with a fair price and a relaxed atmosphere, then head to Burrito Express. From the breakfast burritos, which are served all day, to the combination plates for lunch, Burrito Express delivers that homemade taste you would expect from your own kitchen. Try all of our authentic Mexican recipes at any of our six East Valley locations from Scottsdale to Gilbert and all points in between. ASU alumni owned and operated since 1995. Go to burritoexpress.com and check out our menu or find a location to order for fast pickup or delivery. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from your sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and, and, and gear. Uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether you're celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we are back. Club Hockey, Southwest Weekly. It's Wednesday night as all these nights start to run together for me, Stephen Marsh. Uh, it's uh, It's been crazy. We are the quad pod of uh, hockey podcasts, as I like to say, the 730 staple. 
7.30 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, that is, for uh, all of our shows. And uh, as we wait to try to get connected with uh, Coach Regeer, um, we'll, we'll just chat some more hockey. I know there's not a lot to talk about in ACHA stuff right now, but um, there, there's some things happening in the professional ranks, certainly the uh, AHL. And you saw a game last night in, uh, in uh, Henderson, or actually at the Orleans, uh, your thoughts on what's going on in the AHL, Stephen? Yeah, some big, some big games this week for the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, they had a game last night, as you mentioned, against San Jose, and uh, it was a, it was a good game. It was a, it was a tight game, uh, as you would expect this time of year to be, to be close games. But the uh, Silver Knights, who had struggled as of recently, but the last few games they've, they've done well. Last three against San Jose, they've, they've won. Uh, but they, they looked. They looked good. A lot of what you saw early part in the season, um, penalty killing, especially which has been a, which was I'm sure a big focus in practice, as Coach Manny Vivos has said in in, in press availabilities, and, and some of the players have, have hinted to. Um, they of course had struggled uh, on that a little bit uh, in in the stretch where they've, you know, lost. Well, I don't more than I think they lost like six five six out of seven or something i don't i don't remember what it was it's, i don't even it seems like a fog memory now but uh what, what sticks out to me is the game i was in in bakersfield where where they gave up five uh five power play goals yeah five power play goals and then they'd given up uh like two or three the next the next game so uh but then after that that's when they turned it around and then and beat san jose and then they had a, a break they had they didn't play a game until last saturday at t-mobile and so they had about a week off to practice and work on some things uh, I think you get a couple of injured bodies back and some movement with the with the roster with from between Henderson and Vegas and the taxi squad. Also getting Logan Thompson back in net for the Henderson Silver Knights uh, uh, didn't help her either, having their uh, two-time uh, back-to-back uh, AHL goaltender of the month for February and March uh, in there as well. So that that helped too, and and he was strong again last night. And uh, it was it was tense because it was it was a it was a close game. I think it was it was two to two to one, yeah. I think it was two to one, or it was th- and three three to one. What was the f- yeah? No, it was two to one because it was three to one game. And the uh, San Jose had two, they had two man advantage, and this was like without three or so minutes to go. And I would I I was thinking, well, they're gonna maybe they're gonna pull the goalie and have a six on three. That would have been real interesting to see, but but they didn't do that. But they they had a five on three for for a good little while, and it was a five on four, and and the Silver Knights. Stood tall and and was able to keep keep the puck out of the net and then eventually an empty netter at near the end of the game and solidified it away. So it, it gives them a little bit more breathing room between them and Bakersfield, and with a three games against Bakersfield starting tomorrow night, it's very very huge. And really though, the way that the standings are and now that they've played equal amount of games, you can kind of look at points wise. The percentage will equate the same, but the uh, if they can just win one of the games against Bakersfield this weekend. Uh, they will solidify that top spot in the division, and what will that get them? That will get them uh, home ice advantage in this little uh, playoff that they're doing, the divisional playoff that they're going to do over these next couple of weeks to determine a division championship. The only division in the American Hockey League that opted in to, to do a playoff uh, this season because the traditional Calder Cup playoffs isn't taking place this year because of COVID and some of the travel restrictions that might that are still in place, especially between Canada and the United States. So. Most of the team's not going to do a division, but the Pacific Division, because the travel there is pretty easy to, to manage with all the teams there. So they are able to do a little something. And you want that top spot. So the Silver Knights are in good position. 
And they just got to beat Bakersfield, a team that they've struggled with against this year. I think they're 2-5 and five against Bakersfield. But they just need one win. But you'd like to win more than that because you likely may face Bakersfield in this little playoff thing. And so you want to win and you want to have the games at, at home where they've been, for the most part, pretty, pretty dominant in front of their home fans. In fact, the other news this just came down is they've been bumped up to 50% capacity. So there'll be more fans in the Orleans for the games this weekend. And if there's any sort of playoff games that they will host there'll be more fans in there, which should give them a, more of an edge. We've seen what it's done for the Golden Knights. I was in there on Saturday for the Golden Knights game, and it was loud. With the, they had 50% in there, and it, it was a pretty loud atmosphere. I heard those that were at Monday's game was even louder because of um, it was, you know, playing Colorado, and, and they were real into that game. But it, it, it makes a difference. Fans don't, I think we learned over the last year, and what we've kind of discovered is we started the season with empty arenas in a lot of NHL buildings, and we started that with the Silver Knights, and, and we've seen the... Now as fans have been integrated back in safely, uh, it makes a difference. Fans make a difference in, in sports and certainly hockey in, in general. So it's one of those uh, sports. So, uh, yeah, it's big games and it should be it should be exciting. Of course, Dylan Sakura just called back up to the Golden Knights, so they won't have him. But but they still got some great uh, some great talent. Uh, Powerball, Dollar Five, and Jack Dugan. And, yeah, that's true. Maybe. Or, yeah, that's, or, or will it? Well, that's uh, he'll, true. He'll that's play true. tonight. His last NHL game, and then uh, he would be free to come back down, I believe. That's true. Uh, That's true. I, I'm gonna just and, and we've seen that too. We, we we've seen that too, Scott, because we've seen him play. We've seen we talked about this early in the season where where it was like a carousel. You know, they, they'd go up and then they'd come right back down. It was like I think Patrick Brown for a while was like up and then maybe down the same day or the next day he's back or whatever you know so uh <laughs> and as we said before it, it, it's been easy to do that now that your affiliates in the in the same sort of area but go, yeah okay so let me let me break down this uh this playoff format if we can in the ahl because i think it's interesting um currently if you were going to start it today the silver knights would hold down the number one spot right um and then uh the second and third teams would play each other, which would mean Bakersfield would host uh, San Diego. And then the play-in games on next Tuesday and Wednesday in Irvine, which I'm hoping to be at, would produce something like uh, currently San Jose and Tucson and uh, Colorado and Ontario. Those two winners would play Wednesday night to determine who would come to Vegas to uh, to face the Henderson Silver Knights. So, uh, I don't think it's locked in yet. I think it's getting really close. But uh, as I look at it, um, currently, as you said, same game number of games played for uh, Henderson and Bakersfield, and the Henderson is still holding a slight uh, winning percentage edge with uh, .667 versus .625. And in points, it's 48-45 in favor of the Silver Knights. So as you said, just uh, one win is going to uh, solidify that for them. Uh, the interesting thing, though, Stephen, is San Diego's played 41 games already, and uh, they are in Colorado right now playing the Eagles for three more games. So they're going to have 44 by the time this is all done, and uh, the Eagles will have a chance to, to move up ahead of San Jose, who I believe is finished. Is that correct, or San Jose got some games this weekend? Do you know? Yeah, I, I don't know if if uh, San Jose does or not, but if they are not playing this weekend and their season is in fact uh, over, as far as that goes, they they could lose that number four spot to uh, to the Eagles. So, are you there, Stephen? 
Yeah, sorry, I, I thought I was unmuted. No, I yeah the uh, the the I believe San Jose is done. I believe Tuesday was their was their last game. Uh, I think they had some games uh, this year that were were postponed or I guess canceled because of COVID protocols, and so they I, I they don't think they're going to have a full complement of forty games. But I'm going to look up their schedule real quick here. But I don't believe. But, uh, I believe they're I done. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday was their last game, so San Jose's season is over in regards to regular season games. So their that so, record for them is going to be where it's at. So the interesting part of that could be uh, that first game could face off uh, the Eagles against the Roadrunners, uh, two of the teams in our area. Uh, one of them would have to advance and face either San Jose or Ontario for the right to come and play Henderson. So. It's going to be interesting, at least for our end of it right now. And as I've made uh, no no bones about, we will have the entire Pacific Division next year under our coverage uh, umbrella, if you will. So it's going to be fun to see what happens in that. And I know we're we're supposed to be talking club hockey, but you know, um, this is really interesting. And a lot of club players get a shot at uh, at ECHL or Southern uh, Professional League or or even the age. Yeah, and and you know you look at the uh, standings, and or you look at you look at a team like Ontario Tucson who's towards the bottom, and you know then they have an opportunity as they're going to play in this little playoff thing to to have a chance, and, and you know Tucson might get some of their players back because the Coyote season is over with now, and and so maybe some of the players that have been up with the Coyotes for a bit are going to come back to Tucson, so they I'm sure they'll be, be a little bit of stronger team. I think Ontario maybe as well will get some of their their young stars back from the uh, the LA Kings whose season will end uh, after tomorrow. So um, you know that's that's how it's going to go. So you know don't count those teams out, even though they've they're down towards the bottom. You know they've they've had to deal with some. Some of their prospects, a lot of them being called up at points because those teams were kind of well. Arizona was more in the mix, but LA was kind of out of the mix for for a while there, and and uh, and so they, you know, they they might get some of those players to go back down to the American Hockey League to be participate in this. A good experience for those players to be able to participate in something like this too. So, and more than just trying to win win the game and try to maybe win this division championship, but good experience for these players to play in this kind of a, a playoff. And because not every, like I said, not every division in the NHL is doing this. And there's some question about whether really should do, whether that this should be done or not. But I think, I think it's great. You know, it, the travel in this division is very easy and the way they're doing the, 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 the playoffs. You said that the neutral site there for those playing games in Irvine and then a best of three series in the ho- the higher seeds are, arena. So it won't be any travel there. So that's why the home, home ice advantage is so important because you will have all the games in, in, in this three-game series in the semifinals and fi- division final rounds all in the one place so you won't have to do any sort of traveling so if you're the silver knights and you win the top spot there's no traveling involved all your games are going to be at home so it uh, makes it even more important but but yeah it's a good experience for that um and yeah it is a good opportunity for for uh, AC- acha players to kind of watch this sort of thing and, and maybe even get a chance um the Pashnik brothers are not acha but they're nca uh players or you know players certainly Brinson of course we know from Arizona State and and uh, he's playing tonight for the Sharks again but you know he's him and his brother have been with the Barracuda for a lot of the majority of the season too so um so yeah there's opportunities there's opportunities for sure and the other thing is the the Tucson Roadrunners have already gained some players I know uh some of their guys have already been back when the uh the Coyotes season ended because it ended uh last Saturday night so a lot of those guys have been reassigned and uh, that definitely is going to help them, um, but it's going to be interesting. I was kind of hoping that we'd end up with 
uh, and maybe we still will, with San Jose and Tucson going at it and Colorado and Ontario, and then have Colorado and Tucson win so we could have <laughs> our little coverage area right now uh, be really <clears throat> stacked to see who got to go play, um, <clears throat> excuse me, got to go play Henderson. Yeah, yeah, I'll let you uh, do your little cough there, but uh, 2-1 Colorado right now over San Diego uh, goals, so it's uh, it's uh, looking like if Colorado does win, then yes, they will jump leap uh, over the San Jose Barracuda, and uh, I believe Ontario and Tucson are pretty much locked in where they are, so it's basically, I right. think, yep. I, and I don't know if San Diego, I think, is pretty locked in to where they are. Um, yeah, they can't unless, go anywhere either. Not enough unless, games. Unless, uh, unless they win out, maybe Bakersfield loses out. But I don't. I, I really. I. I don't think Bakersfield's too good of a team for that to happen. So I. I think that's locked in. They're locked in there. So really, the only movement we're going to see probably is Colorado Eagles and San Jose swapping spots. So yeah, then you would have Colorado and Tucson battle each other, and then you'd have San Jose and Ontario battling each other, and then the winner of those two games would play each other the next day. So yeah, we'll see yeah, what happens. Then... And then they get the invite to come to the uh, Orleans, maybe. Because <laughs> yes. I don't think Henderson's going to let this slip away. But uh, speaking of slip away, uh, let's talk about the NHL for a minute. Because last night was a huge game, as you already mentioned, at T-Mobile. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights basically surrendered their ability to control their own destiny. Um, they, they have one game left. Uh, Colorado's got two. If they win tonight like we think they will, that'll give them 82 points. If Colorado wins their two games tonight and tomorrow night, that'll give them 82 points, and I believe Colorado has the tiebreaker. Am I correct? That is correct. So let's fill people in on what's going on. It's 2 nothing Golden Knights in the second period, and this will not make uh, Vegas-born ha fans happy. Actually, it's 3 nothing now. Is uh, I think Car uh, Who is that? Is that Will Carrier that just scored? Anyways, a uh, little live play-by-play -play there, but uh, the Avalanche... The Avalanche have a 3-0 lead over the LA Kings, so that is not certainly good news if you're a Golden Knights fan. We have to give some love to Colorado because they are part of our coverage area too, and they are a good team, So, but uh, we'll try to be impartial here. But yeah, it's uh, it's not looking uh, good, but you know, there's still tomorrow, and the, and the Kings and the Colorado Avalanche do face each other tomorrow, and, and it will be an important game. Obviously, if Colorado wins this game, which they're looking like they are up 3-0 right now against the Kings, and if they win tomorrow, then yeah, they will win the uh, division and the President's Trophy for the best regular season uh, record in the uh, NHL for this season, this 56-game uh, season. So um, it would be cool for Vegas to get that. But yeah, Monday was their opportunity to, to really solidify that, obviously. And they would have done it had Vegas won. But uh, and we can... they I mean, it was not a... Without a lack of trying, the Golden Knights played their hearts out. And, and really the big... The big concern was going to be, um, I think, the cap. You know, they played so close to the cap all season long, and it maybe maybe caught up to them as they were forced to play with 15 skaters uh, on Monday night. They couldn't put any. They had some bodies, some players injured, and, and they couldn't put anybody in in their place. So they had to play a couple few skaters short actually, and and that seemed to kind of maybe be a little too much. Uh, Coach DeBoer, Pete DeBoer, wasn't having it with the media though. He he didn't want to talk any negatives as as that's fine. I mean I, I mean with all they had against them, I mean. Going, you know that that we're not gonna. They didn't certainly. They certainly tried, and and even even Coach Jared Bednar for the Avs was felt felt fortunate to get him, come out of that game with a win because he said he didn't really think his team played all that well, 
and, and yet they won two to one. So that's just kind of how hockey goes. And sometimes, you know, you, you play a good game and, and you think you deserve betting, and you don't. And if you're the other team, you, you didn't play your best. And certainly you think you'd maybe you stole a game and, and certainly Colorado maybe felt that way. And certainly they're turned up a notch tonight against the LA Kings who are obviously not to Vegas's level. So uh, we got to hope if you're a, a Golden Knights fan listening to, to our show, you've got to hope that the LA Kings um, turn up a notch tomorrow. And they have realize... to get a point. They have to get a <laughs> point somewhere in the next two games. Just one point. And, uh, and well, that's do true. It, I think. Well, uh, yeah. So well, well, no. Me, I think that me, no. It has to. It has to be a win. I think because because uh, okay. Colorado would still be two behind if Vegas and Colorado both hold serve tonight. It'd still be a two point advantage for the Golden Knights. So the Avs would have to win. It, they'd have to win in any way, in any fashion, to to tie the Golden Knights in points. But because Colorado Avalanche had more reg, uh, regulation wins, I think is the that's how the first tiebreaker regulation wins. That's why Colorado will end up with uh, with the uh, the edge. Remember, Golden Knights nine. I think they had eight or nine overtime wins this year. So that that's great. But nine of your wins, eight or nine of your wins are overtime, um, and Colorado had more regulation wins. So that's uh, that's going to be the tiebreaker that would determine determine it for the uh, for the top spot in the NHL and in the, the division. So. Okay, so let me let me just go through this scenario because if you're the Vegas Golden Knights, and I realize that the top four teams in the division uh, are pretty equal, there's not really a whole lot of separation, certainly the top three, but look at what's happened to you if Colorado wins out tonight and tomorrow and, the, and Vegas loses that top spot. You went from home ice advantage in the President's Trophy and playing St. Louis to all of a sudden being in second place and having to play Minnesota. Uh, so let's say, because uh, I really believe that whoever's two and three, I think that's going to be a much tougher series than one and four. Okay. So follow me along with this. So let's say Vegas and Minnesota play uh, and Vegas comes out of it. Now what you've come out of is assuming Colorado beats St. Louis. Now you have to go beat Colorado, but you have to do it not having home ice advantage. So that single game last night may have completely turned the tables on Vegas's chance to, to win a cup. And the reason I say that is, is because that battle with Minnesota is going to be difficult and then have to beat Colorado uh, without home ice advantage. By the time you come out of those two series, I think most everybody would tell you that that might be the most competitive of any of the divisions. Now you've got to move on and play two more series to win the cup. And what kind of shape are you going to be in after coming out of those two series? Your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a, a test of will and uh, and strength for sure. And you know it's going to be tough. I mean, Minnesota has played the Golden Knights very tough this year. It's it's kind of uh, one of those things. You know, it just one team seems to have your number in. and and it's regulation uh, or re- regular season wins uh, they've never met in the playoffs so it would be their first playoff meeting and sometimes it dif- it differentiates in the playoffs but uh, and you would hope that maybe some of these uh, these injured golden knights players will come back but i could tell you that uh, bill foley uh, who seems to always you know the team the team itself keeps close vested but bill foley <laughs> the owner Seems to share more information about his team than maybe the team itself does, and I think he kind of hinted there was the the other news this week was that they bought a, a an indoor football league team, which not really relevant for our show. But what he did, I guess, the media of course had an opportunity to talk with him, and I guess 
you know, he did talk some Golden Knights stuff, and he said he was concerned about some of the injuries that some of these players have uh, with Pacioretty and, and, and uh, Martinez, I think, and uh, whether they'll well, be out I've, I've got, longer than – long, Go ahead. I've got better news for you. We've got Wade Regeer uh, with us. So, uh, Wade, Scott, and, uh, and Stephen with you. How are you? I'm doing good. Can you hear me? Yeah, loud and clear. So uh, uh, I, I got to clear up two things. First of all, before we tell people that you're the former coach – of Minot State, but number one, tell me it wasn't because of all my harassing you over the last couple of weeks that you decided you'd had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I certainly couldn't handle the the media pressure and the scrutiny of uh, <laughs> you hound, waiting for you to to snipe me in the hallway or wherever. <laughs> on the same book, so. Okay, and, and then know. and then part two of that way is as much as I would love to have you on board, you haven't signed a contract to come and work for us yet, have you? <laughs> no, I sure haven't, but I'll tell you, uh, you know, it's certainly, uh, you know, what everybody's, you know, what's your future plans and, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't go too far away from the ACHA. And, you know, we've talked about it, I think off the air, Scott, you know, like there, there's only just a handful of people that truly, you know, are invested in, in the overall what's going on. You know, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, focus locally, you know, you have, uh, you know, an intern or somebody working with, you know, Illinois or Ohio or, you know, Liberty or, you know, Syracuse or whatever the, the team is, but there's not very many people that have a very good grasp on the big picture and, and follow other teams. And, and so I, I certainly told Brian, uh, Miranda commissioner, and I said, Hey, you know, if you ever need me in, in any capacity, uh, you know, I'm I'm still follow everybody and social media, and then I certainly know the all the coaches that are still there. So, yeah, whatever uh, you know, whatever <laughs> it may be. But I, I just I know I'm not. Uh, you know, even though I'm stepping away from Minot State, doesn't mean I'm stepping away from the game or or the ACHA for that matter. So well, wait, how how strange how strange does that sound? Like you you know you you've been with the program what for 17 seasons, and now you're the former coach of Minot State. How is this? Have you even has that even sunk in for you yet that that you're not going to be coaching this team starting next season? Yeah, no, it it, it kind of really hasn't so much uh, you know per se because it usually at this time of the year is kind of a you know a chance to kind of reflect after the last season you know take a little bit of break uh, other than maybe just doing some recruiting um, until kind of the end of May where then I had to do my other part of my job which was fundraising and sponsorships and you know those type of things and so there's always a little bit of a gap at this point but. Uh, no, it really hasn't. I think it's hit my daughter and my wife a little bit more than it has myself, you know, just, uh, you know, future plans and all those types of things. But, uh, uh, but it'll, it, like I said, it'll, it'll hit me a lot harder probably when, whenever they announce the, the next coach and certainly whenever that next game is because, uh, you know, I've, uh, I've always had a really close connection with my players and, you know, that, that, that never has changed in my you know time with the program and you know, it'll just be a little bit different, uh, you know, watching it from uh, afar as opposed to uh, being behind the bench. Well, let me let me throw some numbers out at you, and I'm sure you've heard this from everybody that's talked to you uh, since that point. But um, finishing up 17 seasons, 11 as a director of hockey operations and head coach, these numbers just blew me away, Wade. And I knew that you were uh, you were up there, but um, I had a chance to, to sit down with Steve Martinson at uh, Allen, Texas, the second winningest coach in hockey behind Scotty Bowman. And uh, when I saw your numbers, 312, 53, 19. And an eighty-five point four seven percent. I have to say it with a chuckle because it's just those are almost like goofy numbers, aren't they? 
Yeah, I, well, you know, and I, you know, for me, you know, like I, I certainly, I don't follow that. Like I don't check my own stats or, you know, those type of things. And, you know, I just, you know, certainly from a championship perspective, that's kind of really all I've really focused on, you know, in terms of my, my time. And, you know, even having a conversation with my dad, you know, he said, geez, you know, how many final fours and third place finishes you should be putting like a, you know, runner up banner, you know, next year. And I, I just, no, it's not good enough for me. You know, it's only, you know, only championships for me, but, uh, um, but uh, no, I mean, I certainly, you know, I, I, I know we've had a lot of success, but it's, you know, and as much as I've been the, the head coach and kind of at the home, there's been more, there's been more people that have been heavily involved with the program, you know, through assistant coaches and, and staff that are behind the scenes through, you know, our marketing and game day operations. And, you know, and of course, even just the players that have come through here, boy, I've been fortunate enough to coach some really, really special players. And, you know, I think we've talked about it. I, I don't know if we've talked about it our lot last podcast or we've talked off the air many times. Um, we've just been fortunate enough to get so many players that are, good enough to play at the next level that decide to play for us. And that's just been kind of our, our DNA and our, our culture. So yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, like I said, a lot of success that we've had here. And, and I know that the program is uh, locked and loaded for next year. That's probably going to be the toughest part is we only lost three players and the, the kids that I, you know, have already had committed were, you know, again, elite players. So I know whoever takes the, the program is going to get an absolute Lamborghini ready to, to make another run at it. <laughs> Love it. So wait, let me, let me, let me, let's, I want to kind of clarify this. So, um, the, the university is the, the team is going, uh, with the university now. So how, I mean, is that, is that, that was part of, part of the, the, the decision, right? Was that, um, it was going to be more involvement, uh, more time with you, but you want to spend more time with your family. So I guess, is that, do I have that cor- kind of correct about how the, 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 the direction of the program is, is going? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it certainly has a little bit to do with it, for sure, no doubt. Um, but you know, like it, it, you, you always, you know, when you know, you always want to be able to control your, you know, your next moves or your next plans, and you know, in terms of that type of thing. And you, and you certainly want to leave the program in a in a great spot, you know. And this kind of felt like this was going to be a good time to be able to do it because then, you know, somebody who does take it over isn't going to be having to do the types of things that I had to do, you know, like it's, you know, I think there's only like Jason Fairman at Iowa State and, you know, some coaches around the league, uh, ECHA do a little bit here and there, but, you know, the vast fundraising and everything that has to happen behind the scenes. I mean, there's no summers off for me. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been at the lake and, and had to, uh, you know, leave my family there to go do a sponsorship meeting or two and then drive back sort of thing. Or, you know, it's just, it's constant, you know, meetings galore, trying to generate money. And then there's also, you know, in charge of running the golf tournament, you know, big, big golf tournament. And that was always on my shoulders. And then, you know, the other big fundraiser that we have is we, we do the largest adult men's rec hockey tournament in the state. Now this year is COVID related. We could only get eight teams because because the border closed, but when the borders open, you know, we're only 45 miles to the Canadian border. There would be 20 to 30 teams from Canada and they would bring their families down. And it's a, it's a pretty big undertaking and the economic impact that kind of goes with it. But yeah, no, the, our girls program uh, made the jump two years ago and, and we'd had discussions with them and, you know, in terms of our, where our fit would be in, in their overall kind of vision and, and, you know, what the, the university's plans are. And there was no secret. They certainly wanted us to be a part of the, you know, their, uh, you know, athletic banner. 
it, it did help for us the fact that, you know, all the teams around us in our state are all part of their athletic departments. You know, from you, Mary, Jamestown, Williston, and Watnall, they are fully integrated and they report to their athletic director. So, you know, it was, it was really going to be inevitable that this was going to be happening. And I think from the long-term perspective, um, it really, you know, gives some stability to the program. You know, the, the person who does get hired is going to get, you know, full university benefits that, that would be, you know, entitled to any other university employee. And, you know, for maybe somebody who's younger and, and doesn't uh, have a family, this might be a really good little, you know, starting point for them. So, um, so yeah, no, they're fully integrating on July 1. Um, you know, kind of the, the new academic and financial calendar year of the university, which is always July 1. Um, and uh, yeah, they'll be fully part of the athletic department. And so we were kind of already through that transition. Like they've kind of already adopted a lot of things and worked through a lot of the logistics in the last few months. Um, but uh, yeah, basically the new person will be fully part of athletics and you know, they've got a lot of good things going for them on their end. You know, they added uh, women's wrestling as well. And I think that they've got some, uh, you know, bold vision goals there at the university. And, you know, having its most popular uh, program uh, being there is is something I think that they're going to look forward to. I mean, uh, you know, we've had some success in like our women's soccer team or men's basketball team here this last year did some pretty good things at the conference tournament. But, you know, overall, it's been a tough transition moving from the NAI to Division Two athletics and, you know, having a bright spot of hockey, which gets, you know, we, we have huge following, huge crowds. And, you know, I think it's just a seamless transition. And, and uh, you know, like I said, it'll be a great, great starting point for, uh, you know, whoever they decide is the next guy. Well, I can tell you, first and foremost, Wade, uh, talking to coaches down here, uh, I talked to your good friend, Chad Berman, the other day, and I was we were kind of recapping and rehashing the uh, national tournament. And he said he stayed up all night watching with nightmares because he said, how am I ever going to beat uh, Wade's team? He said, what am I going to do to get a third and fourth line that can beat Wade's team or or beat Kirk's team or, or whoever it may be, Gary's team, uh, or even Rick Zombo's team? Because he said, they're just so good. And he said, I just stayed up all night trying to figure out how I would match up not only my first and second lines, but, but compete against third and fourth lines. And, you know, looking at your program from a distance, I think I can say comfortably that you've done a really good job of building depth. And uh, I know you're something, that's something you're proud of, right? It is. It absolutely is. You know, and, uh, you know, I always, you know, I think we talked about it before, you know, I, I, and I, I don't like, I, I hate people to think that I come out as cocky or conceited, but, you know, we, we kind of always knew we were going to get to the tournament. And so as a coach, you know, I, I didn't build my roster to win a bunch of games in the regular season and then, you know, lay an egg or, you know, struggle in the, in the national tournament. No, we built our team to be able to withstand the rigors of what a national tournament is all about. And it is like, you've talked to Greg powers about this. It is extremely hard. There is, you know, there's nothing like it. I mean, even if you look at division one, there's always a gap, you know, between the regionals and, and the, the frozen four and, you know, that allows a lot of teams to regroup. It kind of neutralizes everybody and then you kind of get everybody's best. Whereas at our tournament, you don't have that uh, that luxury. You're basically having to grind, you know, the way that is is set up. And especially this year's tournament where we really had to grind to get ourselves <laughs> to that championship tournament uh, champion game. It is something that we as a, as a staff and myself personally is we had to build our roster to be able to handle that. And, and, you know, like we, like I said, we don't, I don't load up on, you know, 12 scores on my forwards. Like it's, it's, I need grit. I need grittiness. I need physicality. 
you know, I need guys that, that win puck battles. They aren't flashy. You know, we don't, we've never really been a high scoring team at the national tournament, but we defend so well. And when the puck's on our stick and we do have a scoring opportunity, it's usually a, you know, a greasy goal, a rebound, uh, you know, a kind of a backdoor type play. It's nothing, you know, where it's a two on one and a guy goes bar down. Like we just don't score those goals and, and it, it works for us. And that's the recipe for success at the national tournament. You, you just have to be able to build your roster, uh, obviously have depth because everybody's tired, everybody's sore. Um, and then of course you have to deal with injuries and those type of things. So it, it is something that, you know, our recipe and our kind of, um, blueprint has been successful. And, and, uh, like I said, I, I'm willing to tell anybody, I know, you know, John Hogan at Maryville's, you know, reached out already. I know Berman's talked to me <laughs> lots of times and, you know, other coaches have reached out as well. It's certainly a, a big picture thing about what, what needs to be done at the national tournament because it, it it's worked for us. Well, let me, let me jump into you one more time, Stephen, with a quick follow-up to that. Cause Wade, when I left uh, you guys at uh, St. Louis, I went down to Dallas, uh, the Plano Frisco area, and I watched um, the U18s play. Right? Yeah. And it didn't take it didn't take me very long to figure out a couple of things. I, I said after the first game of Team USA played against Russia, I said um, the Americans don't have the grit. They might have the most talent. They might have a roster of really talented players, the most of anybody in the tournament, but they're missing some grit. And uh, I. I I kind of said Monday night, I, that first night, I said, I don't think they can win this because I don't think they have that, that grit. And then I looked at, at the Russians and I said, okay, they're, they have some grit, but I don't think they have the most talent. And what I saw from the Russians was uh, guys that could shoot with a lot of accuracy, but they were real heavy, real heavy shots and accurate, and they, were, uh, they could play physical. Then I looked at Finland and I said, Finland might have the best sticks. I think they could uh, they could play a stick game and never touch a body and uh, compete that way, and they did. And then I saw the Canadians for the first time, and I said, there's your champion. Uh, and it was quite visible to me because they had some talented players, but when you've got a guy that's 15 years old like Connor Bedard um, on, your, uh, <laughs> on your roster, you know you've got talent and grit uh, all the way through it. And you, I think of McTavish and guys like that, so... Um, that really is important at every level, isn't it? It, it certainly is. You're absolutely right. And I mean, I, you know, the, there, there is, a, especially when you get to that U18, which I was able to watch, you know, quite a few games, um, you know, you have to have that balance and, and figuring out how you're going to have guys that are actually going to have to take on different roles to shut down elite players. Um, because elite players, as much as they, they can do it, it's, it's not in their DNA, right? Like it's not part of their yeah. DNA. And what their their plans are and, and and who they are and that's why you see kind of some of those teams that have talent at the NHL level that just don't get it done sometimes and it's kind of the same kind of recipe it's you know you, if you can get your top two lines to kind of neutralize themselves you know then you're going to have to rely on your third and fourth lines to either produce or do some shutting down and and if you don't have that depth you ain't going to get through. And I mean, I think we've seen it a few times, even with like the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, you know, they're, they're two of the top 10 players in the NHL. And, you know, if they're doing their thing, that's fine. But if they get shut down, you know, every once in a while, then, you know, then what's going to happen. I think that's the same thing. You know, when you look at like the Edmonton Oilers, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if you're McDavid and Dreisaitl are on fire, you know, they can carry themselves, but, if there's going to be a couple of nights where where teams shut them down, like my favorite Montreal Canadiens have done a you know pretty but pretty pretty good job 
shutting down McDavid, but they have do that, you know, then you're going to need to have additional scoring from your third or fourth lines. And if they ain't going to do it, you ain't going to go far. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that. And, you know, you certainly see that uh, when you, you, these teams come together, usually at the U 18s or the world juniors, but then, you know, when you get to things like the Olympics or, you know, the world cup of hockey or whatever they do, you know, it is nice to add, you know, that, that, you know, the gritty player here and there to, to, to play that role, kill penalties and stuff, because it's, uh, you know, you're not going to see guys like, you know, McDavid go down and wear a shot, you know, either they don't, they don't block right. shots and you don't want yeah. them to, block. I mean, as much as they're talented, you know, you want these guys that are, are, uh, you know, to, to, to rest on the kill and then they have more energy r- later on in the games. And, you know, that's certainly been the, a big part of it uh, for these teams is certainly seeing the success from it too. Steven, you got one more for Wade before we let him go? Yeah, so uh, Ray, Wade, uh, when you look back at, uh, you know, your time at Minot State and you, and you look at, you know, at the, the national championships you won, all the, all the tournaments you participated in, the, the Coach of the Year awards, everything, that all the accolades you've received, um, what is, what is uh, one thing that you can think of that you, you can say that I, you're most proud of over the years? Um, um, you know, obviously you won championships, you won those rewards, but what, what is it uh, about your time at Minot State that when you look back, you, you realize... Yeah, that was I. That was great. I, I really enjoyed enjoyed it. You know, uh, it, very good question, Stephen. Very. I mean, it's tough because there's. I mean, we've had a lot of really good things that have happened with us with our program. Um, you know, I, I I think I tell people some of the greatest successes that I I feel like within the program is it starts with recruiting about how you know how I I talk to parents about how you know yeah we're gonna have success and your kid's gonna have an opportunity to win a national title, but. You know, I, I really hope that I prepare them for their next phase of life, whatever that may be. And it, you know, kind of my, some of my greatest feel, uh, I guess, things I'm proud about is the fact of how many times I've been invited to weddings. Um, you know, how many times I've, I've had really long lasting relationships with, with my players, even past, um, you know, after they've been gone. And I mean, I, I, even since the announcement happened a couple of weeks ago, you know, I've had a lot of former players reach out to me and, guys that played for me three, four, five, six years ago that texted me and, you know, wishing me good luck and all that good, good stuff. And, you know, I've been very fortunate. I mean, even just here in Minot, there's, you know, we, we, there's no secret. We obviously have a lot of Canadians that have played here um, <laughs> that, uh, you know, obviously can't stay here. That's because that there we're... is no border there, right? Yeah, no yeah, exactly. Imaginary line, right? Yeah, it really, yeah, it, in essence it is. I mean, for, you know, for hundreds of years, it certainly was. But um, Maybe not for but... this last year, it's not been the case, but, but, but other yeah. than COVID, other than COVID, yeah, it's real easy to get get to get to Canada for mine. Yeah, no, 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 but you're absolutely right. But, uh, we do have a lot that have, that are staying here. Either they were players that are from the States or we do have a lot of Canadians like myself who, you know, ended up marrying somebody and then staying down here, kind of that scenario. But I got asked about five years ago, um, some of my former players that were all on the 2013 championship team, um, Donnie Iverson, Kyle Stevens, Brett Fiddler. Um, there's a few more. Craig Harvey. There's a number of guys, and they, they ended up putting together kind of like a rec team. You know what do you call it? A beer league team here in Minot, and they asked me to be on that team. And you know, I'm the oldest guy on the team by at least five six years, but uh, I still got it though. I, I crazy. I still, I feel like I still play, which is really good. I, um, scoring a few goals and whatnot, but but just being invited to their weddings and and seeing them have their kids and. 
you know, just kind of them pretty much they all every time you see them, they always have a good story to talk about. You know, it's not even the actual championship games. It's the games, you know, along the journey that we got there that that some of these guys just remember forever. I mean, just talking to our guys on our 2013 championship year and how, you know, we had lost to uh, Ohio. We were up, you know, three goals or two goals late in the game. They scored three to, to beat us late. And then the next night. You know, we beat them like 7-1 and just hammered them and then didn't lose a game the rest of the season and won a national championship. And then, you know, just even other stories of, you know, the 2019 year where we had lost to Utah, who was unranked. And had we won that game, I feel like our ranking would have been like top three, maybe top two, but we lost to them and they were unranked. And so that really kind of hurt us computerized. But the guys kind of, you know, referred to that year as that was kind of the signature loss that galvanized the program and, and, and kind of that journey for that season. So, you know, I like I said, I, I mean, even just now, even working with my three seniors that are graduating, you know, helping them out and planning, finding out what their next plans are. And, and one of them is currently dating a girl from Minot. And so, you know, he's got a year in his visa to work down in the States after he graduates. And he just said, hey, coach, uh, help me out. So now here I am, you know, firing emails and talking <laughs> to my contacts and hoping to find him something. And, you know, so those things are – and even a, a player that played on our 2019 championship year, um, he went to firefighter school recently and then he's applied for a couple of jobs and he's texting me to ask me as a reference and saying absolutely. So, you know, I think that's probably when I look back, you know, I, I, I see all my players that, I, that I've coached and, you know, just kind of seeing them grow up and – you know, I, I mean, I'm on whatever Instagram or Snapchat and, you know, they've got, you know, three, four kids and, you know, they met their wife at Minot and now they're wherever and stuff. So I just feel so proud to see, you know, see these guys, you know, evolve from junior hockey, which, you know, you get a chance to, to grow as an, as a man. And then when you come to us, it's really where you kind of take your next steps in life. Um, and usually your friends, you know, your friends for life are the ones you meet here in college and seeing guys that are on, you know, each other's weddings and, you know, those type of things. So those are things that I certainly will look back and I'll probably miss that, that aspect of it because, you know, I, I see these guys grow, you know, and see them come as 21 year old immature kids that are, you know, legally able to go to establishments <laughs> down in the U S and then see them, you know, mature their senior years and, and seeing that, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm here to win a championship and, you know, all that good stuff. So that'll be the toughest part, but I'm, I just, I get so proud about that stuff. And especially with, you know, all the other successes we've had off the ice, you know, our grades have been outstanding. I mean, it's crazy, you know, for hockey players that just the academics is, is just such a vital part of the game. And, you know, there's always a couple that you have to kind of worry about, but, you know, it's usually that's it, you know, on a 25, 26-man roster where you've got, you know, 8, 9, 4.0s, and, and these guys are just, you know, smart, smart guys in the classroom, and just seeing them thrive is just something that uh, is, is impressive to watch, and that's part of the culture of our team. You know, it breeds success when you see, you know, your fellow teammates, you know, going so, so emphasis on school, it breeds through the rest of the program for some of those guys who maybe not aren't as good at school and they, they bear down and then they see those results too. So yeah, that'll be the tough part for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, let me end it on you with this is uh, uh, I, I joked with you as we started the interview and I'm going to joke with you again, because the Arizona coyotes uh, and uh, Rick Tockett parted ways. And one of the things uh, Bill Armstrong said is he was looking for a young up and comer coach that didn't have uh, NHL experience. And I'm going like, Wow, Wade Regeer's coming to the desert. No, <laughs> not happening. 
Well, certainly, uh, who knows, right? Uh, you know, I, I like to say, like, after our, our 2013 championship year, personally, I, I had an absolute uh, ton of, uh, you know, athletic directors uh, reach out to see what my future plans were. I had a lot of you know, board of director members for a lot of junior teams, especially up in Canada, you know, kind of inquire about what my future plans are and, you know, would it be willing to do it? And, you know, at that time I, I kind of wasn't ready, you know, I was like, at a, you know, just young married and, you know, had a little one on the way. And so, you know, I, it kind of wasn't really kind of something I really kind of pursued. And now here I am and, you know, kind of figuring out what my next move is. And I think the challenge I have is, you know, my family has deep, deep roots here. My wife is from here. She's been a, um, an excellent long time kindergarten teacher here in her kind of 11th year. And so my daughter goes to school here. So it's, it's gotta be something, whatever my plan is, it's gotta be something that's gotta be, uh, you know, really good. And so then, you know, on my end, it's depending on what do I, you know, what do I do? You know, I think uh, for myself, it's, you know, I've, there's no shortage of opportunities to work anywhere in the business world. I've had a lot of those uh, people reach out to me here in the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, my, my dilemma is figuring out, do I, you know, is my hockey stuff done and I move, uh, you know, into the business world or, you know, do I find something to kind of tie me over here for the next year and then kind of figure out what my next move is? Because, um, you know, that's going to be the, the own dilemma. I do know that I, I've had, you know, in the last number of years working with Jamestown, how we got them on board to add hockey and, and working with their president staff to, to do it and, you know, having conversations with the guys at, uh, uh, at the University of Mary and, you know, asking questions about how we operate. And then, of course, even just working with the new coach at Crookston, which they just re-added hockey after a yeah. number of years of absence, um, is, you know, maybe that is that in my cards, right? Is there another school in our region here that's, you know, looking to add hockey and, and uh, you know, do something along those lines? So, you know, it's kind of, it's going to be an interesting, you know, what happens. But, uh, you know, like I said, I uh, <laughs> all options are open and uh, certainly going to reach out to as many contacts as I can. And, uh you know, see what my next move might be. Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of things and let you go on this note. I know your hashtag uh, on your website says uh, hashtag build the dam. And when I heard that, that you were stepping down, um, I just got part of it. I just said, damn, because uh, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss our friendship and, uh, and talking hockey. So I hope you don't let that go away because you're always welcome to come on the show and, and, and provide some insight to us because uh, you're a great friend and, and you've done uh, so much for hockey, and I can't thank you enough from the hockey world. So that one, I, I'm going to say. And then secondly, I said, anytime you want, uh, we'd love to have you as a contributor in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I, I, uh, that's one of the things that I've always been a proponent, even as a coach, you know, about you know, building our overall brand as an ACHA in particular with, you know, our division one programs, which have really good followings, but you know, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm, I've allowed for anybody a lending hand on anything. I mean, even just with our, you know, if it requires information at our national broadcast or pushing hard to have, you know, like we did a number of years ago with a, a preseason show or a postseason show and, you know, just having somebody on there that really kind of knows, you know, so many teams and, and the coaching staffs and the programs, you know, to kind of give them that insight. So, yeah, whatever it may be. And you know, like I said, Scott, I'll, I'll be taking you up on that offer because I, I guarantee you, you'll probably be, you know, some point next fall, you'll be asking what's going on in North Dakota you know, and I want to be able to, you know, help out and give uh, give our teams in our area their due because, uh, you know, anytime we can get more podcasts or more social media, um, it's just going to really grow grow our, our game. It's going to grow uh, the ACHA, and it's going to be better for everybody. 
All right, my friend, I'll let you go. Thanks for stepping in and uh, and chatting as always. Keep my phone number on speed dial because whenever you got something, I'd be happy to hear it. And uh, if you decide to take this Coyotes job, let me know first, okay? <laughs> well, hey, uh, <laughs> my wife and daughter love the weather. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, my my parents have a place there in Mesa, so I know. At oh, least see all the, there, all these connections. Oh, it's all it's all, it's all lining up there, Scott. It's all lining up. <laughs> well, and I'm honest with you, you know, I'm kind of waiting for uh, my good buddy Berman to give me a call and see if uh, maybe we can support <laughs> there too. So. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> that he it was pretty good he kind of almost had him as a little bit of a unofficial uh pre-scout guy too because after games you know i'd kind of say hey well what do you know about this team and he's very familiar with you know liberty and understanding what lindenwood was doing and on and those type of things and so and that's you know that's the interesting thing you know i don't want to get off topic but that's the interesting thing about about the the acha is and coaches is that, you know, there aren't no secrets, a whole lot of not, there's not a whole lot of secrets between the teams. And so, you know, it's not like uh, sometimes you see in the NHL where, you know, coaches are, you know, not helping each other out or giving any input or anything. It's kind of the opposite in college. It's like, Hey, you know what, this is what I know about them. And, you know, here it is. And not to say that a coach might change his game plan, but uh, you know, any cut, anytime a coach would ask me like, Oh, what's your opinion on Jamestown? You know, I'd give it to him. I'd say, Hey, you know, this is what they do. And this is their strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, I think that's uh, something I'll probably still carry as, lot, as, as a lot of these coaches are, are maintaining their spots. Wader Gear, thank you so much. Uh, good luck in the future. And like I said, uh, stay in touch, my friend, because uh, we love having you on. You bet, bud. Take care. All right, folks. That's Wader Gear, the now uh, not head coach at Minot State, but will always be around hockey and will always be a friend of, of our program. So, uh, Stephen and I will take one more quick break, and we'll come back to wrap up another episode of Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by Maryville University and the Maryville University Saints. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game and style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy, big William Carlson fan, or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. All right, and we're back. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly. Running a little late tonight, but uh, you always do that when you got a, a figure like uh, Wade Regeer coming on with you. You always make a little extra time. So, so Stephen, go ahead and wrap it up for us, if you will, and we'll say goodnight uh, for another week. Yeah, no, it was great to have him on, and uh, he, he's one of the best uh, to, do, to, do this, to do this, especially at this level, ACHA, so uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more from him, and it sounds like we might have a future uh, contributor uh, for, our, for our, sh- our show here, so that'll be nice. Anyways, um, Maryville University and Maryville Saints Hockey has presented Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, also brought to you by Verizon, the 5G and 5G Ultra Band for Business that America's been waiting for. Um... Maryville University and Maryville Hockey, big city feel, intimate setting, a first-class education, and a first-class hockey experience. Caesars Entertainment, 
Wherever you're bound, there's bound to be a Caesars Resort across the U.S. or worldwide. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, ultra smooth, Arizona owned. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com to get your bottle ready. By OxyPow, visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where it always seems like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than to actually eat it. By Summer Skates. Summer's coming, and ice is going to need some help. Get your personalized koozies and more. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The University of Arizona by M-Drive, presenting partner of What Drives You. M-Drive in the morning, relax at night. Our two-step system for energy, stamina, recovery. And by Behind the Mask, in the net, up the ice, or in line. Serving the Arizona hockey community and beyond since 1994. See us at BehindTheMask.com. Maryville University and Maryville Hockey's Club Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and are available for download at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. Club Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by Maryville University and Maryville Hockey, is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. And we should go back to the M-Drive, what drives you, because there's a new one up about your trip to Allen, Texas, to see the Allen Americans. So people can check that out on the YouTube channel. Yes, you are correct, my friend. Uh, It is out there. And you get back to watching some NHL and AHL hockey for me, because we got playoffs coming up, my friend. We do, but these games, the games tonight are becoming a bit boring now because the Golden Knights are up 4-0, the Avs are up 6-0 on the Kings, so the Kings aren't doing the Golden Knights any favors tonight. Golden Knights are doing what they need to do, but looks like it's going to come down to tomorrow, and we, again, if you're a Golden Knights fan, you got to, fingers crossed, that LA can just steal a game from Colorado and Denver, but uh, we'll see what happens, but as of right now, looks like Colorado and Vegas are well on their way to winning. And it's going to come down to tomorrow, game 56 for Colorado and L.A. So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, well next week we will uh, join you, or I will join you from Irvine, California, uh, just before the start of a uh, playoff game, an AHL playoff game. So, all right, our thanks to Wade Regeer for jumping in and talking a little hockey with us tonight. And uh, we wish him certainly the best of luck. And hopefully we're, uh, we're going to stay in touch and get his insight because – he won't forget anything. Trust me that. He's been around too long to forget any secrets of hockey. So uh, congratulations to Wade. Uh, Stephen, thanks for, uh, for all your insight and all your help. And we'll say goodnight with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. De Niro. Have a good week, everybody. Good night.